0: North Carolina guys chatting there as Carter's about to inbound. Finds Calderon, gets to Novitski, Anthony on Novitski, one on one with Anthony, holds the ball, holds the ball, puts up a tough shot. Buzzer! To Goes in at the buzzer. A heartbreaking defeat as Dirk Nowitzki wins the game. Unbelievable finish and a crushing defeat for the Knicks here at the Garden. The crowd absolutely stunned. What an ending to all the excitement here down the stretch. Nowitsky's struggled much of the night. Gets the shooter's bounce, goes through, and the Knicks lose here at the garden.
1: What's up everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Nickish Podcast. This is episode number seventeen. My name is Mo, and this is part one of a two part episode where we're gonna go over the top ten worst moments of Nick's history or in Nick's history since two thousand. So this this took a long time for us to make. So, Nafi, we were actually supposed to record this last night, so you know, what ended up happening with that? Um
0: Depression. Yeah. Sorrow, regret, and that's just like recounting all the fucking details of the Barniani trade. <laughs> so I'm, I'm,
1: <laughs> we should we should we should probably throw a disclaimer out there. This episode might cause you some form of PTSD, some sort form of, uh, some form of severe trauma because we're gonna we're gonna dive deep, and a lot of you listeners probably experienced uh, a lot of what we're gonna talk about today.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You ever catch the show um, Entourage? Yeah, great fucking show, by the way. Uh-huh. Remember that quote Ari told E when it was like that was like season two with Mandy Moore. Vince was like kept like quitting meetings and shit, and Ari's just like yo E like put your sunblock on. We going to hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is basically this episode.
1: Yeah. Well, before we really dive into it, of course, we're gonna ask our listeners to take a quick moment. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show. We're available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple. Uh, also, check out our Instagram and Twitter. It's Nick underscore-ish. Um, we appreciate all followers, all follows, all reviews, ratings, etc. So, damn, we're gonna we're gonna dive in. So today, we're gonna talk about uh, the tenth worst moment to the sixth worst worst moment, and it really took us a long time to figure out, you know, how we're gonna narrow this list. When we started making the list, I I think we came up with like thirty horrible things that came that uh, happened to the Knicks. Around thirty, maybe more.
0: Felt like fifty. Yeah. Minimum.
1: And this is only from nineteen years. So
0: <sighs> Yeah, so it's like we, we we kept it fair, you know what I mean? Like if we were trying to recount like the last fifty years, like that's that's a eight part podcast saga with like guest appearances and shit. You know what I mean? We ain't got the <laughs> budget nor the time for all that, but um, yeah, basically, we were just like, I will right, we'll keep it to, like, the last 20 years or roughly 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Like, shit we could actually remember uh, within our fanhood, you know what I mean? Not to speak, like, you know, ignorantly about, you know, some other respectful Knicks fans' trauma, you know what I mean? Like, who who, who am I to, like, talk, like, you know, in terms of depression and all that for moves that like, I was, like, in diapers for? You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's a that's a tale for another Knicks fan to tell, right? But uh, yeah, that's yeah. Basically, we're gonna keep it to the last 15, 20 years, and then you know go step by step, you know, to whittle down to the top ten. Yeah. Worse.
1: So, I mean, we gotta give some of the uh, the uh, honorable mentions here. The ones that didn't make it to our top ten list, they gotta get some shout out here. So, uh, let right. start off. Let, let, me, let me get
0: this shit popping.
1: All right, you go for what's what? Name one of our honorable mentions.
0: Um, so when was that mellow trade? Let's say July of 2017 to February of 2019. Mm. I like ask me what happened during that.
1: What happened during that time?
0: Uh... How do I, like, how, how, how I put this just, like, directly, but just, just like, a bubonic plague on the Knicks <laughs> franchise? Like, an anal wart on the side of MSG, figuratively, inside, <laughs> inside, physically, emotionally. I'm talking about, like, this whole tenure of, like, uh, Ennis Cancer. I gave him the fucking more respect than he deserves by actually pronouncing his name right this time, or as close to right as possible. But yeah, that that whole the dark time. To be honest with you, As, it's an only an honorable mention just because, like, in terms of the actual context, just to keep it objective, like it wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? We got him in a deal for Mello, which got us Mitchell Robinson, that mm-hmm. second round pick. Who, by but the way,
1: who by the way tonight scored 19 points and 21 rebounds. I don't know if you caught that game. It was horrible. Like the Knicks lost big time, but shit, you got 19 points, 21 rebounds.
0: That kid is special, man. Yeah. So, Shots to, shots to Scott Perry for that deal. But, yeah, my point is, it's like you know, like real, like, real life speaking, you know what I mean? Like, Kenner, it's, honestly, was not even as horrible in terms of, like, the damage to our franchise. But just personally, on a deep emotional level, that shit was terrible to watch. And I'm fucking glad he's off the team. And that's it. It's an honorable mention just because if, if you can make me feel feelings of anger and stress just watching you play a kid's game, Essentially, you know what I mean? Then yeah, you you won the honorable mention list. Dishonorable honorable mention, you know what I mean? Just because like the the fucking whole theme of this list. But yeah, what was your honorable mention? Like, well, we you actually, can't top mine.
1: <laughs> I mean, we we have a handful of them, so I'm actually gonna go through it a little faster because we gotta we gotta start from ten to six too, because that's gonna take some time. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give two of them right now. One of them is, uh. Giving up J.R. Smith and Iman Schumper for almost nothing. And then the following season, they both won championship. Back-to-back seasons, actually. Uh, or not back. No, no, sorry. They won They won championship with LeBron James and the Cavs. So, the very the, the following season. So, that, that, that's an honorable mention. Um, J.R. Smith won six-man of the year with the New York Knicks. Iman Shumper was on his, like, third or fourth season. Uh, solid role player, so uh when Phil Jackson came and he basically just gave him up. I honestly don't know what the Knicks got back in return.
0: Lance Thomas uh, cap relief um like that this is just like I'm, I'm gonna debate this a little bit cuz it's fucking revisionist history that um it's getting perpetuated cuz I remember distinctly and clearly during that time before that trade JR had damn near negative trade value. That was the whole reason we had to throw Trump in the deal just to get him off our books. And like, I think it was like a four-year, twenty-six million deal at the time, but it had no options, and it was before the big cap space boom that came in twenty sixteen. So that, like, in terms of twenty nineteen money, that probably would be like a fifty million dollar deal. You know what I mean? So uh, like, that's a bad okay. deal now.
1: I wouldn't go so far as to double it, but yeah, I hear you. He's he's typically really really bad on really really bad teams. Hence, this season the Cavs are tanking, and he's not even playing. He's not even on the court. Um, exactly so, yeah. and
0: you look at his yeah. numbers that season he was like not good and that's so that's my whole point about this like that whole season before phil came in it was a clusterfuck because we didn't have a pick and we didn't make the playoffs we were like stuck in no man's land and all throughout that whole season it was just reports of how dysfunctional the locker room was and how toxic the culture became and complacent and all that shit and like everybody it all came back to jr you know what i mean he had to go to literally the greatest player The second greatest player of all times team just to recoup his value. I mean, he went to the best possible situation for himself. But I disagree with it even being in the honorable mention list. You know what I mean? But let's let's keep it rolling because we got to get to ten through six.
1: The other one is (laughs) uh, the Knicks defensive coordinator, defensive coach, assistant coach, Kurt Rambis. Uh, Where where do I even start with Kurt Rambis?
0: I mean, we got we got effects now, right? Sound effects. You, can you like hit the puke sound button? That so can kind of sum it up.
1: Not yet. I I don't have that. i not that shit set up yet. Oh, oh we don't have the budget right, yet. Yeah, Never mind. We're not that level yet.
0: That Netflix deal money ain't coming yet. My fault. My fault. Coming soon.
1: Uh, but yeah, Kurt Rambis, man. Like, it wasn't. He he was just. His thing was he he's Phil Jackson's guy, and he was brought in to be an assistant coach, and he's not good at defense at all. But for some reason, he was the top guy for for defense for the Knicks as a coach, and he was trying to instill the triangle offense as much as he could. And when uh, who was the coach that was fired? Derek Fisher, and Kurt Ramis took over, and there he was took over after
0: Hornacek too. Huh? Twice he took after he took over I think after Hornacek too. It's like I... twice
1: we had to deal with this motherfucker. Yeah, poss- I'm not. I'm not sure about the Hornet track one actually, but. Uh, actually, no. Never mind. Never I don't, mind. Yeah, we horned so. full season. But never definitely, mind. definitely after Derek Fisher, and the the rumor was that Phil Jackson, who was the president of the Knicks at the time, was considering promoting Kurt Rambis into the full head coach of the Knicks, and no player liked him, no fan liked him. Kurt Rambis was just just a bad coach. Um, definitely as a head coach, he was horrible. And no one wanted the triangle offense anymore because that's just an outdated form of offense or you know offensive strategy, and nobody wanted him. So we were relieved when they when they signed Jeff Hornacek to the head coach position. But we were so close of getting, uh, we were so close to getting Kurt Ramis as a head coach of the Knicks.
0: Yeah, we dodged the bullet right they into fucking a fucking yeah, we dodged the bullet and ran right into an oncoming train because Hornacek <laughs> was not good by any means. But that tells you how fucking bad Rambus would have been if point it was a fucking relief. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: What else What else do we have as honorable mentions? Another one is the Tim Hardaway situation. So the Knicks drafted Tim Hardaway Jr. back in 2013, I want to say. And yep. that was after their 54-win season. They drafted him. Later, they traded him in 2015, the, the same time that Perzingos was traded for Jerry and Grant, they traded him to the Hawks. He improved, you know, a pretty good amount with the Hawks, and then the Knicks signed him to a seventy-two million dollar contract, you know, two years later. So they drafted him. They traded him away. They brought him back for big money, and he, they traded him again to. And he was a bit. He was a part of the Porzingis uh, trade, and his contract was a bloated contract that they needed to get rid of. And that. Sure, you want.
0: <laughs> that's an honorable I mean, option. Yeah, and I mean not to cut you out, but you want you want to talk about dodging a bullet again? Like the news just came out today that Hardaway's having like surgery on a foot. You know what I mean, like major surgery on a stress fracture or some shit. Yeah. So could you imagine him still being on a team and getting that shit? That contract would have been fucking untradeable, and would have completely fucked up the 2019 plan. So like, might we wouldn't even like be in KD's consideration if part of we still on the team right now and like had point. that same surgery you know what I mean so like yo Scott Perry saw the future that man is a prophet <laughs>
1: uh okay Uh, what, what else do we have on the honorable mention we're still on honorable mention dude dude
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm having a blast a certain, player, <laughs> a certain player
1: wasn't re-signed so I know this kind of hit you a little hard back in 2012
0: ugh Go ahead. You want me? You want no, me you go to go? You? you got <laughs> it. You got it. So that summer, we had the glorious return of fucking Raymond Felton. Remember that? Like mm-hmm. he got like fans gassed him up of like one half, like half of a decent season before he got traded in Denver. So we brought him in that summer to replace Jeremy Lin after the whole Sanity deal. And I'm talking about like yo, like, he probably... He obviously didn't reach whatever fucking expectations people had of him at, at that time. But he was still a young point guard that showed, like, great flashes. You know what I mean? And he was... Like, we had all control over his contract situation. And he was a restricted free agent. And Houston signed him to some... It was, like, a big deal. But it was only, like, three years. So, it was, like, one of those deals where it was just, like... One year was, like, a lot bigger than the other. So, it would have fucked up that cap for that one season. You know what I mean? But... It just didn't make any sense. You don't let assets go for nothing. And we had all control over that situation. They were just like, nah, we're good letting them go. Because, like, who are we to keep a young player that's flourishing in our big city and actually brought some kind of attention to our team? You know what I mean? And it fucking sucked that season. But obviously, we won 54 games. So I, like, shut the fuck up that season after that. But just looking back on it, it was it, there's no way it was a good move objectively. You know what I mean? It just made no sense at the time. And it was just like... Raymond Felton, you like, really? Come on. Now.
1: now, to be fair, Raymond Felton did have a pretty good season. Um, that that season that he resigned with the Knicks, that was, he was part of the fifty-four game uh, winning season. So we gotta we gotta
0: mention that. He was like the eighth most important player that season, bro. And like Raymond, like it was. That's another thing. He wasn't even that good that year either. It was Jason Kidd was basically like uh, our best guard in the backcourt that year. Pablo Prigioni outplayed him in the limited minutes off the off the bench that year. Like, nah, bro. I mean, I'm not riding the Felton wave in any No, definitely. I, I, think, it's the, I
1: think it's the following season where he got really bad because he came in overweight. He was yawning during last-minute huddles, you know, before, like, a big play. He had that gun situation in the locker room. Like, it was – I'm glad we got rid of him when we did.
0: Yo, Felton <laughs> shot 39% career low during that 54-win season, bro. Okay. <laughs> all right fair enough I knew my memory was playing tricks on me he was ass that whole year I was actually shocked we were actually winning that many games despite that dude bro but yeah moving on
1: all right so all right so let's get through the final uh, honorable mentions I'm just gonna name them all real quick uh, after the, the other one was trading Tyson Chandler who won defensive play of the year only a season or two before he was traded and the players that they got back are none of them maybe except for Calderon are still in the NBA they did get two picks out of it, and that was one of that was Phil Jackson's first big move. They did get they did get rid of Raymond Felton from that trade, so that was the only plus. Another honorable mention was signing Amari Stoudemire to a five-year, hundred million dollar contract after, you know, he he went through multiple microfracture surgeries. So everybody knew he came with a big risk, but they still signed him to a max contract um, after losing out on LeBron James, Chris Bosh, mm-hmm. and Dwayne Wade. Another one is uh, <laughs> Stefan Marbury and Vaseline. <laughs> Yo, you want you want to take that one? You want to say any, any comments on Marbury's Vaseline situation?
0: I mean, shit, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I was big star, big time Starbury fan i fucking as soon as we made that deal, I made my my parents go get me a Starbury jersey, so I thought
1: you were about I to mean, say his shoes.
0: Oh hell no. Nah. I don't even yeah. think he had them joints back in three But I probably would have caught them anyway at that time. I was young, impressionable, foolhardy young kid. You know what I mean? I mean, but anyway, yes. Yeah, Seth Marbury Vaseline, um that shit was embarrassing like how you even walk around as a Knicks fan when you franchise point guard is like live stream live streaming himself eating fucking petroleum jelly dog like I don't even need to elaborate any further on that sense Could you like I just cringe just like reading that shit you know what I mean <laughs> like just saying that shit out loud right now <laughs> alright all
1: right, we, we gotta all right, we gotta move forward before we start dwelling on the honorable mention so we gotta get we gotta get through 10 to 6 today ooh this is not an easy episode Alright. Uh, yeah,
0: let's, uh, let's tag team this bitch. Alright, you got 10. I'll take 9 and so on and so forth. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we're we're going to end up like all, talk, I mean, like commenting on each one either way. But <clears throat> I think we should start with number 10 right now. Uh, so, you ready for this?
0: Born ready, sadly. sadly. Bread, to be, bread to be ready, sadly. This is I'm down. This, this shit about to hit yeah. real hard. Yo, let's take it to the fucking abyss, dog. Let's get in our fucking bag and just get sad right now. Let's do it.
1: Okay, all right. So at number 10 for the top 10 worst Knicks moments of the last two decades is the Charles Oakley versus Jim Dolan situation when Charles Oakley was arrested from MSG and kicked out of the building.
0: Fucking pitiful, bro. Like fuck Dolan, Fuck like,
1: James Dolan,
0: and just like and I guess obviously we got to explain why it's on the list. It's just yo, he's he's a franchise icon. You know what I mean? He's not like a, he's not gonna become a Hall of Famer any day, but he was just like revered in the city. Like old time Knicks heads, all these old heads talk about Oakley. Like like rightfully so, was like a fucking god. You know what I mean? Like he just like you go back and watch any '90s Knicks games, he fucking emphasized like that. Like that, ground and pound, tough. Like, like they was just bad motherfuckers on the court. You know what I mean? And like, Oakley was leading that whole movement. Like that whole, this aura around MSG. Like, yeah, Pat was the man, but like Oakley was right by his side. You know what I mean? And just to see like that, like, yo, like fucking franchises like Boston. You know what I mean? Like the Celtics and the Lakers, they don't do their legends like that. And we just see, we just saw live on national TV, like our legend just get thrown out. You know what I mean? Just, and like, you know what? Opie probably like, he held back a hundred percent. He would have knocked out all five of them. dudes that was coming up on him. <laughs> Slept each and every one of them. You know yeah. what I mean? But he, but he had decorum. He's a fucking gentleman. He's on national TV. He's like, all right, I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your kids today. But just like overall, the whole feeling was just like, yo, like you talking about just being embarrassed. That's, how you even? How do we like rationalize rooting for a team with an owner like that? That does former like legends like that. You know what I mean? Like what? What do you? I'm speechless on this. It's like going down this path.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to continue the background, Oakley played for the Knicks, I believe, from 1988 to 1998, which were essentially 10 of the best seasons, minus the '99 season when they made it to the finals. Uh, you know, in the last you know 50 or so years, uh, if I'm doing if I have my math correct, but Charles Oakley embodied what the Knicks were about, and if you ask any Chicago Bulls fan from the '90s when Jordan was playing, the team that they probably feared the most were the Knicks. And that, you know, that being said, the Knicks were a an extremely tough team to beat because they were they were they were grind they grinded every game out. It, it was hard to beat them. They're very good defensively, and Charles Oakley was he was the enforcer of the team. So, this man is a is a Knicks legend. And you know, I, I was actually lucky. I met the guy a few years ago. I don't know if I ever told you that, but you know, I saw him at some event. Talked to him a little bit. Um, too lucky, son of a bitch. He's, he's a very he's a very nice guy. I have a picture. I have a picture with him too. Um, but you know, I he, and you know, you 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 said on you you got on the money there. You don't disrespect Knicks legends like that. Charles Oakley, um, basically played up until James Dolan became the owner of the Knicks. So up until then. He was very he was loved by all fans, all players uh, on the Knicks teams. and once James Dolan took over, Charles Oakley was a you know critical of, of the owner uh, of Dolan. So he's had several times when he would criticize them. I think he was against Amari Stademeyer signing um, and you know several other things. So when James basically what happened was in this game, uh, Charles Oakley sat down, I think within 10 minutes, Security came and they're t- trying to escort him out, and he pushed one of them and they arrested him right there. And then there was supposed to be a trial, and I think um, Dolan banned him. And then they kind of talked it out with Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. And basically, they kind of came into agreement that Dolan will lift the ban. But Oakley was like, No, nah, I'm, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to accept this until you apologize. And Dolan still hasn't apologized. And this shit is still going on, uh, you know, two, two seasons later.
0: He's a petty, little, slimy fucking garden gnome, bro. That's why he won't apologize. It takes a real man to apologize when he's wrong, and he's not even half of one. So, this is the same
1: Pokemon guy... <laughs> this owner is the same guy who banned a fan just a few weeks ago because that fan said sell the team to him. Like th- He's a petty motherfucker. It's, it's crazy. He, it's it's so embarrassing to be a Knicks fan with him as your owner.
0: Yo, it's just like, why does it matter if a fucking fan like, just... In his arena, in that arena, it just tells you to sell the team. Like, yo, you fucking rich as shit. Throw him, throw him a couple hundred dollar bills because you—that's a flex right in his face. You know what I mean? Like, who cares at the end of the day? Like, and like honestly, like we—we're the fans, we're the consumers. So we as fans have every fucking right to say that to him. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't like yo. Your mom's a two dollar whore that works in Thailand part time, you know what I mean? Like didn't, they didn't they didn't say shit like that. They was yep. like sell the team. That's well, that's fair game. It wasn't malicious, it wasn't some nasty shit. It's like within the realm of basketball mm-hmm. like shit talk, you know what I mean? And just fucking and when it.
1: players around the NBA current players today see something like that happen to a legend, what are they gonna be thinking is like they're gonna be thinking how they're gonna be treated if they were a Nick. And when you see the video of Oakley being kicked out, you see Porzingis looking on. And, like, I was, I'm was, i sure he was wondering the same thing. And I'm sure that, you know, treatment like that isn't going to, you know, work well with current, you know, Knicks players. And that's just, that's just going to rub everybody the wrong way. There's no good that can come out of that. And it still happened.
0: I wouldn't go that far just because, like, like, we know for a fact it's on record. Like Mello, Amari, all the like the big high pay players we've probably had in the last like five to eight years. Like they were all pretty cool with Dolan. You know what I mean? I mean they they kind of have to be just because like he cuts a really big check for him. I mean, but, in, in like, terms of yeah, speaking I mean, a as point. a Knicks
1: organization, Mello was still We're gonna get
0: to. Yeah, but I'm just talking about Dolan, the owner. He had a good relationship with all the stars and shit. But like, it's a fair point into the perception, obviously. Like that's why we're talking about it. Like, just the fucking ugly moment all around. It just didn't have to happen.
1: Yeah, and you can't name any other owner that's done that something like that before.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like I heard a story about how like Robert Sarver, you know what I mean? Like the the Phoenix Suns owner. Yeah. Um, I heard it on a podcast. I mean, we reportedly just like the, a similar shit happened at that owner at a game. And it was like, "Yo, sell the team. You're terrible, right?" Sarbo was like, "All right, how much you offering?" You know what I mean? Like, okay, that's shit talk. Shit talk back. You know what I mean? Like that's as a as a man, like if another dude, shit talks you. Shit talk him back. You know what I mean? But like that that goes back to the whole point. Dolan ain't a man. He had slammy well, walking. Gnome. Yeah, he's a garden gnome. He's like a fucking if a, a if an actual dude took a dump in a toilet and that just that turd just somehow learned to walk and just hopped out the toilet. Became a billionaire, as James fucking Dolan.
1: It's a fucking great <laughs> analogy there, uh, and you're using Robert Sarver as an example, <laughs> which is funny because a lot of people consider him to be the second worst owner after James Dolan. Look at the way he, you know, took care of the situation. Um, that's you know, it's interesting, but you know, that's I, I think that's 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 pretty much all we can say about James Dolan versus Charles Oakley. Uh, oh yeah, whose idea was this episode, man? This is not easy. We gotta do this. We got we gotta do this for like nine more after this. Shit.
0: I kind of fuck with it just cause mm-hmm. like you know it, it, it gets the blood flowing. You know what I mean? Like it's. Oh, nah,
1: the like, next get... one. The next one. So I'll get my <laughs> fucking blood blowing. Uh, boiling, boiling, whatever. All right, let's let's move on to number nine. <clears throat> so the ninth worst moment in Nick's history, at least in the last two decades, is Yeah, how sick is this drum roll sound effect? Yeah, are we upgrading here. Is uh Phil Jackson versus Carmelo Anthony slash Christas Porzingas. That's number nine. And this this is pretty recent. This was this all, all this shit happened in 2017. Um uh, I don't even know who to start with. I'd probably start with Carmelo Anthony. So, Carmelo signed a re-sign with the Knicks in two thousand fourteen to a contract where he had a no-trade clause. So basically, if the Knicks were trying to trade him, they would basically need Carmelo's permission to do so, and he would have to accept the team and the terms. And uh, for whatever reason, that was a contract that was given to him by Phil Jackson. So, <clears throat> as an executive. Oh, man, there's so many layers to this. Especially if you know if someone someone's new to the NBA is listening to this. Phil Jackson was a coach of Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant has eleven championships, arguably the greatest coach of all time in NBA history. Um, and because of that, the Knicks were interested in him as signing him as an executive, as a president of the Knicks, and he accepted and he got paid a pretty penny for it. I believe it was like six million a year, which is not common for execs. And um, you know there are high expectations for him, but he didn't. He he did horribly as an executive, in my opinion, especially when it came to the PR and player treatment. And the two stars, Carmelo Anthony and Chris Asprizingers, are the prime examples of that. When it ended up happening in two thousand seventeen, uh, which ended up being Carmelo Anthony's last season with the Knicks, he was basically being alienated by his own president. Um, uh, Phil Jackson was saying things like he might be better off elsewhere and basically hinting that he wanted Carmelo gone from the team. So that's how he's treating the best player that the Knicks have had in twenty or so years. And it's just it's just not it's just not it's a very distasteful thing to do. And it just doesn't it, like you just you're setting the tone on how you're treating the team and the other players who are not as good as Carmelo, who see Carmelo as their leader, isn't gonna like it. And as a result of the mistreatment that Phil Jackson uh, did to Carmelo, which lasted for months, um, Porzingis ended up skipping his, his exit interview As a second year in the NBA In his second year in the NBA So oh Man like as, as a fan That shit really hurt Because Porzingis was our glimmer of hope And when you see that he's skipping His, his exit interview When you see Carmelo Anthony Who basically helped get the Knicks To the, to the conference semifinals in 20, In 2013 And he's one of my favorite players of all time it just it just sucks to see that because you're at that point you're just not sure what's happening because you feel like you're building something with Perzingas and Melo and then Jackson's trying to get rid of him from a contract that he gave him himself and then you know your next big superstar is skipping his interview and you know I can just keep going on and on about this.
0: I mean. Yeah, I mean, you and I got differences on the whole Phil Jackson era. Like, you think it, you, you mentioned it was catastrophic. I think it, like, objectively speaking, we were honestly probably in terms of just the health of the franchise, the roster, the assets, all that, we were better off after he left him before he came. But just in terms of all of this, this whole fucking mellow drama that came about between them two, that shit felt like, like a bad second marriage. I mean, you know how, like, you hear all about, like, all these Hollywood execs and, like, Hollywood, like, just. Like celebrities that just have like second and third marriages. So they fucking rushed into it in 2014 after they re signed. So, yeah, like, right, you have flaws, but right? I will get over it because, you know, we're quote unquote in love and shit. And then just like that shit went to shit just quick as hell. <laughs> like fucking little petty side remarks and subs went to straight up, like, ah, right, you probably better off out of here. You probably better off sleeping on a couch. You just like, ah, right, you gotta <laughs> fall off a cliff. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. it, it's just. It, that shit was on us because it could have been all done behind closed doors and that's just on one hand I wasn't surprised I was like ah, this, is, this is who Phil is Phil bit, like a rightfully so he got the arrogance of a dude that got 11 championship rings you know what I mean and it goes back to his coaching days he was a straight up asshole to other coaches he was petty to his own players he played mind games with him just to get him to get together work together as a team he beefed with front offices like his beef with Jerry fuck I forgot, Jerry Crouch or whatever the fuck, the GM in uh, Chicago during the 90s, like, Jerry Krause, yeah, they, they had mad crazy beef back in the 90s, and, like, Phil basically turned the the team, the roster against Jerry Krause. you know what I mean, in terms of, like, creating locker room drama for the sake of, like, competition, but, like, that's him as a coach, that shit don't work in the front office, bro, you know what I mean, the whole point of being a general manager slash president, you know what I mean, is to generally manage, you know what I mean, you gotta manage personalities. Manage people's egos. Manage, like, all sorts of aspects of a team. You got to build morale and all that shit, but how are you going to have a high morale and just, like, good team spirit if, like, your president of basketball operations who fucking falls asleep probably every other meeting, you know what I mean, is, like, clowning your franchise player, you know what I mean? And, like, if you're KP, the kid that just came to, the like, the, to the city, to the league with fresh eyes, you know what I mean, like, hope and all that, and you, like you've yourself as a franchise player and you see how, like, the guy up top is doing the all-star in place. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to take it? And obviously he didn't take it well because it led to uh, the whole KP drama as you touched on. So, I mean, it's like, it, it just, it set off a whole chain of events because like well, this KP trade probably wouldn't have happened if Bill didn't do all that damage in terms of, like, the good faith between KP, his brother, and the Knicks franchise as a whole. I mean, Scott, like I said in that episode when we, in the KP reaction episode, Scott Perry and, Scott, and Steve Mills are basically like suffering for the sins of Phil Jackson with with KP and they had to just be like, right, you know what, we tried to repair this relationship, you still salty over what happened with the other dude, but we gotta, we gotta cut our losses. That was basically the thinking behind that trade and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for all this bullshit that Phil started. So, that's why it's number nine on the list.
1: Well... I oh just to, just to add on a little bit more. Not only did Perzingis skip his exit interview, which is which is un you know it that's something that's not seen either. Like players just don't skip exit interviews like that. Every player usually goes to that. It's it's more so uncommon for a second play a second year player to do that, um, especially someone who was highly as highly regarded at that time as Chris as Perzingis, who you know was considered by many to be the best player in that class over Carl Anthony Towns based off the way he was playing, um. He after after that I I think June of that season after the finals with the upcoming NBA draft uh, there were rumors that Phil Jackson was looking to trade Porzingis for a player in that draft class and at that time I was just like yo what the fuck is he like I had no idea what he was thinking because Perzingis was better than everybody in that class this is a Frank Nalakina class uh, where the first pick was um uh Fultz. and I think the I think he actually offered a trade to the Phoenix Suns, their number four pick, Josh Jackson, for Przingas. And I think they're trying to throw in, like, Bender in there, who's a tall European guy who can shoot, and they just figured that you know that would just balance itself out. He actually offered a trade for Przingas, which baffled the shit out of me at, at, at that time. So that, that yeah. didn't make things any better. It, it's just It just made no logical sense at that point. We got, it. we got to get some credit to James Dolan for finally stepping in and, like, firing Phil Jackson.
0: Yeah, he gets credit for that. And, like, at that point, it wasn't even just, like, it came out of nowhere. That was just, like, the culmination of, just, like, the bad blood between KP and Phil. You know what I mean? He was like, you know what? I, I'm i about to trade you and, like, draft your successor. And uh, I think it was Markkinen was who we were targeting if we did trade KP. Like, it would have been, like, we, like, picked up um or – because I had no feel when uh, there was a report that he went on and had uh, dinner with Laurie Markkinen like the night before the draft when the KP raid rumors was just like really heating up. So I mean, I'm glad that ain't happened back then because I feel like um, actually, I don't know. Let's rewind back. you brought up like KP being better than everybody in that class. Is KP better than Tatum? Like at this point.
1: I mean, if you as if an you asset, include, moving I, mean, I feel or... like we can't we can't tell right now. But I feel when when KP last played, I think he was better than Tatum.
0: Yeah, I mean if at the time at that, I was on the same level. If he plays at that level, I mean?
1: if he plays at that level, then yeah, I think he's better than Tatum.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean at the time of that draft, 2017 draft, I definitely like felt the same way. Like KP was better than everybody in that draft. But I don't know. I mean, you saw the report about how like before we traded KP to Dallas, we reached out to Sacramento. See if they would do KP for Fox, and they turned it down.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, like, if you, if you, if it, it's kind of hard to tell because of the ACL injury, but yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I hear what you're saying. But if you're saying like pre-injury was KP better than the way Tatum is now, I would say KP is better than the way Tatum's playing now.
0: I mean, it's just okay, interesting because I got. Question. Yeah, I mean, was, I'm just like bringing that up just because I mean what you said just sparked the light bulb. You know what I mean? It was just like it's interesting now looking back on it because like what was because I brought it up to you kind of seriously when the KP trade first happened, it was like maybe Phil was right. Because Phil, like the report was, like he was like obviously a bad blow with KP, but it was also like he wasn't sure about KP's long term viability as a franchise cornerstone because of like how injury prone and whether he would actually hold up. And KP tore his ACL right after that, you know what I mean? And then I, I don't even think Tatum was an
1: option. I don't. I don't think Boston or uh, Philly were looking to trade for 4 prisoners is at the time.
0: No, I mean, I'm not, I just brought up Tatum because you said, like, the KP was better than anybody yeah, in that class, but right I meant, right. like, yeah, specifically to the KP situation, yeah, I know Tatum was on the table, Fultz was on the table. It was, I think it was, like, the highest we would have gotten was, like, the number four pick, so it would have been Josh Jackson, yeah. and um, I don't know what else was, like, the proposed offer, but that's what it was looking like, but um, yeah, my point was just, like, maybe Phil sure was right in terms of that regard, but just that whole fucking saga was... It was embarrassing and it was shameful and it's like, it, it it just brought back like the whole, all the jokes about the Knicks being a fucking clown show, you know what I mean? Like, come the fuck on, why, like, that whole time I'm just like, yo, why can't we just be a fucking normal team? Just like, stay low and build, that's it. Yeah. Why there gotta be any kind of trauma? And that was like the fucking epitome of trauma, but let's move on, right? Was it number eight?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it came at a time when we finally like, felt that we we're moving in the right direction. He just fucked it up. Anyway, all right. So moving on to number eight, the eighth worst moment in Knicks history in the last two decades is the entire two thousand thirteen and fourteen NBA season. You want to take, You want to start this one off?
0: Um, are we counting the infamous trade that preceded the se- the season or? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like higher up on the list.
1: Oh uh, which which trade are you referring to?
0: The trade oh, right no, 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 before uh, the year. uh
1: <laughs> no, no 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 not not the trade. Yeah. excluding the trade.
0: Alright, so I mean that whole season it's kinda of tough to speak like completely on this the season without mentioning the trade, but you know, I'm gonna do my best. But for context, we didn't have our draft pick that year, the twenty fourteen pick because of the mellow trade. You know what I mean? So we're going into that season riding high off a, a 54-win season. A uh, good fucking year, um, despite, like, a frustrating-ass playoff loss to Indiana. And uh, fuck Mike Woodson, by the way, to this day for that series. But, yeah, so, like, anyway, we was coming off a good season. High, high expectations for the whole franchise, like, legit high expectations for the first time. Like, you could argue it was just the first time we could actually be justified in being hopeful. You know what I mean? Like, all right, we won 54 games. Let's keep it going. Let's let's go back to being, like, a top-end Eastern playoff team, right? Nah, none of that shit happened. Whole team went into the gutter that year. Melo had a great statistical season, but I think Chandler was hurt. We made a fucking trade, and fucking god-awful trade that just... It was, like, literally injecting cancer willingly into your testicles. Like, taking a big-ass, fat fucking needle... <laughs> Stick that bitch in your left nut, or whichever nut just hangs the lowest, and wow. just, just go to fucking town. That's wow. that's what I compare that trade to, and we're gonna touch on that fucking trade later <laughs> on. But that's like, so I'm trying to set the tone for what that season became. That old trade was just like a black cloud that just manifested and fucking festered into a just a thunderstorm. It was it was like Katrina, honestly, because like
1: it's coming. We don't we, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna dive into it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I feel like that whole season just culminated in just like stress. Like every fucking game towards the end was just like, ah, we got to win to get into the playoffs to get this fucking eighth seed. So, because we're going to not have a draft pick anyways, there's no point in losing. You know what I mean? So, we're in no man's land, basically. And what ended up happening, we missed the playoffs. And because we missed the playoffs, we were entitled, we should have been entitled to a high draft pick. Nope, we ain't had it. So, what happened? We only had like a second round pick that year. You know what I mean? So, it was. It's fucking terrible. That's like the worst case scenario. You know what I mean? That's like the whole reason Philly tanked. They didn't want to be in the middle in no man's land. You know what I mean? Competing for a playoff spot and not doing anything else. We couldn't even make the playoffs in the East, bro. A seed, we couldn't even sniff. It was just terrible season. But like, if you want to go ahead and throw your two cents, let's let's get dark together, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, all right. So we're talking about the thirteen fourteen season. Just just for you know, just to show what it really feels like. The next season, fourteen fifteen season, statistically, record wise, was the worst in Knicks history. The Knicks lost the most games they ever lost, and this season, to me, felt worse than that, because we were, because we were that 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 season fourteen fifteen was a tanking season, and we knew what we were expecting. We had we had a team full of garbage players, and we knew, you know, what 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 the goal was. Like you mentioned, the goal for the thirteen fourteen season was playoffs maybe Eastern Conference Finals because that's 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 almost where we reached the last season and we pretty much retained most not most of the players, but we we retained a good amount of those players. It's just Jason Kidd who left and you know Rasheed Wallace wasn't there anymore and I don't know about Marcus Canby. But we had majority of those players who are in last season's team, still on the team and you have high expectations and then what ended up happening was that the Knicks kept losing Close game after close game. I remember Trey Burke hit a game winner on us. I remember Dirk Nowitzki hit a game winner on us. I, I remember the exact shot. I remember watching it live, and it hit. It hit the back of the rim. Jumped up. Buzzer. You know, buzzers off, and it just bounced right in, and the Knicks lost. Like that. Pretty much. That. That was basically like the way the season was, and. The Knicks just kept going up and down, and then the last ten games when they were making that playoff push, they were they're trying to they're going head to head with the Hawks for that eighth seed. And what ended up happening was, uh, they both I believe they both won seven out of their last ten games, so the Knicks missed the playoffs by one game. So they were the they were the ninth seed that season, and we fucking
0: you know, beautiful.
1: They, they kept winning. I'm like, That's oh, me. shit, like this is it. They're gonna come in clutch, and they just they just didn't make the playoffs for for one fucking game. And and let's not even forget all the blunders that hap- the other blunders that happened throughout the season. J.R. Smith had a stupid ass shot. Um, he should have just held the ball, but he he shot it anyway. The other player, Andrea Bargnani, took a shot when he was supposed to hold it. I think the Knicks actually lost one of those two games because they fucking took that shot when they were up, and they were supposed to just hold it. Um, it was just it was just one stupid thing after the other stupid thing after the other stupid thing. Omar Sademeyer was in for a few games, out the next ten games, and it was just it was just a bad season. J.R. Smith had a bad season. It just no, not not any positives. And because of because of how horrible horribly they played, the next season they just got rid of all those guys. Phil Jackson came in after that season. Woodson was fired, I think, and uh, right after that season, and we just started over and. The following season was the worst in record, but the 2014 season really hit hard, because that's when we realized that, you know, we're back to losing again.
0: Yeah, but it's like going back to the whole comparison of like the 2013 season, the 2014 season. 2014 was a fucking relief, just because it was like, I right, once we shut Mello down, because he's got a uh, like nagging knee injury, it's like full blown tank time. Once the tank came that year, that shit felt glorious. It was like, all right, we're finally doing something right. We haven't tanked in years, decades almost at that point, right? And then we put ourselves in a position to get our first top five pick in 30 years. You know what I mean? Last time we had a top five pick before that year was the Patrick Ewan year, 30 years prior. So it was, that's why I was like, felt relief. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, all right, no expectations. You know what I mean? Let Melo get his numbers, let him get that all star berth and then rest him after that. Play these scrubs, you know what I mean? And just go get that, that franchise cornerstone and we got him. And then it's a fucking shame what happened after that with KP. And um hopefully we don't you know, hopefully it's just like a bad bump in the road after this summer, but just like in the moment right now it sucks. And like to be honest with you, but like before we even get to the end of this list, if like if the summer don't turn out as well as you and I honestly hope it does. And that KP trade is going down is the worst moment in franchise history, bro. Number one. Like, e-
1: easily number... Or maybe not number one, but easily top three.
0: The only way it doesn't is, like, just KP just keeps breaking down and shit. But, I mean, even I don't... I mean, like, not I want that should have happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a snake, play. but, like... Yeah, yeah like, he's a snake, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, I wish, I wish this motherfucker just, like, breaks his foot getting off the toilet. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Like, wish him happy health and all that shit, but... I mean, that's the only way it does it with, like... Just that's the only way. If we miss out on free agency this year, we get nobody, and we just keep tanking, and we don't get a franchise like piece to like actually build around. You know what I mean? And KP and Luca become like the fucking monsters version of, Luke, of like Steve Nash and Dirk. Then yeah, the worst moment of franchise history.
1: Yeah, this this summer could be a huge turning point, or we just flounder again. All right. Yeah. All right, so that was 10, 9, and 8. Now we're down to 7. we got two more for this episode. Uh, For number 7, so the 7th worst moment in Knicks franchise history in the last 20 years is... Using the amnesty on Chauncey Billups in 2010.
0: What a dumbass move.
1: All right, so how yeah. does how does the amnesty work?
0: So in the, after the 2011 lockout, the NBA and their uh, CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, they put it in an amnesty clause. It's like a get-out-of-jail-free card for any team that, like, has a, like, signed a big contract or has a bad contract on the books that they don't want anymore, like, for some reason or another. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the player fell off. Like, maybe the player had mad injuries and just became trash, like, Gilbert arenas. You know what I mean? Or Amari Stoudemire. Um, you know, cough, cough. You know what I mean that's gonna tie into this? Um, so anyway, it was like it's like it's like gold, basically. It's like all right, we we if we like teams fuck up, even the best teams fuck up. So it's like this was just like a get our jail free car, Like all right, we get wipe that shit off the books. Let's let's get it popping. You know what I mean? So we had this this tool under our belt that we could save for the future at any given moment, right? Mm-hmm. And mind you, it's 2011. So in the mellow trade, we got Chauncey Billups. But at that point was still like a really like a an above average point guard, like a good caretaker of the of the of the ball, you know what I mean? Like set everybody up, um, get everybody in the right plays and get into sets, you know what I mean? Um, feed mellow where he's most comfortable, um, run the pick run over the Mari, all that shit. Great shooter still at that time, solid defensively. So a good overall piece. Um anyway, so we picked up his option because he had a team option on the last year of his deal. Um, right before that summer, right before the lockout, right. Six months after that, after the lockout lifts and the new CBA is in, and we got the amnesty clause fresh, fresh off the press. You know what I mean? We use that bitch on 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 Chauncey six months to the day after we picked up his option. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I mean, and we use that cash space to sign Tyson, which is a good move because Tyson won Defensive Player of the Year and like was underrated by a lot of he Knicks just fans. Won a
1: championship
0: yep you know what i mean so it was a great pickup because he was a great fit with mellow not so good of a fit with amari but that's neither here nor there but there was no point in, uh, if there, you had any intentions of signing tyson you know what i mean before the season ended why did you pick up Chauncey's like option you know what i mean like just thought pick it up and if anything sign tyson and try to re-sign chauncey for cheap you know what i mean but not nah, they had to pick his option up waste a valuable resource and then down the line when amari predictably fucking broke down because you know paying a big man with mad knee injuries mad money on an uninsured contract is always a bad idea amari broke down obviously right we could have used the amnesty on him towards the latter years and actually gotten mellow some help with that with the cap space we could have received but now we had to think short term use that bullshit on chauncey and you know the rest is history. Amari stayed glued to the bench for the last three years. Either that, or like I don't know, fucking drank bathwater mixed with wine for some reason. Whatever the fuck.
1: So, and I mean, you pretty much hit in the nail hit the nail in the coffin there. But it, it didn't make sense why they wanted to use it so fast. And just to correct myself, um, they didn't use the amnesty in 2010. I, I meant 2011. That thing they did towards the end of 2011. But they they had time to use it and they could have thought about it a little bit more and they could have definitely used it on Amari's contract, which he had four more seasons on where they would be paying him twenty million every year. And I think Chauncey wasn't his last season, so they could have waited it a bit, but they didn't and what ended up happening was that the Knicks ended up being stuck with the bad contract. I think Amari was ended up being one of the worst contracts in the NBA at the time and he didn't really the all the high Knicks moments when they won games it wasn't because of Amari. Uh most of the time he was just on the bench watching. So that was if if they used it on Amari if they use on Amari, the Knicks would have had so much more cap space to use and who knows what they could have done with that cap space. That's pretty much all I really have to say about that.
0: Yeah, I mean Knicks foolishly wasted cap space. How how fucking typical, right? Like it's, I mean, bro, this is depressing. Like My energy is drained, My soul is just aching right now. Uh, Why do yeah. you do this <laughs> uh, Alright,
1: I mean, if you're ready, because we only got one more, and I think you're going to be really excited about this one. So, right, let's without get a further 10. ado, the last one for this episode. This is the sixth worst moment in Nick's franchise history uh, in the last two decades. Here we go. The Knicks trade for Andrea bargiani at the at the start of the 2013-14 Nba season oh god andrea bargiani, I touched on it a little bit legend, but
0: the guy right, so I, 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 I painted that pretty picture you know imagine a, a doctor you know reaching for a long ass needle this bitch is sharp but could pierce skin easily with a light tap now imagine he fills that bitch, that, it, that that needle, with some poisonous toxic venom. You know what I mean? He spits in that shit, shakes it up, and just sticks that needle in the hairy portion of your balls, the underbelly of your scrotum. You know what I mean? God. <laughs> That's the fucking equivalent of the Knicks trading a first-round pick on Andrea Bargnani. You know what I mean? And to top it all off, to paint that picture, like imagine right before you step to that doctor's office, you just like, I don't know, Fuck Scarlett Johansson raw. You know what I mean? You're feeling good about yourself. That's the equivalent of us winning 54 games going into that off season. You know what I mean? You're feeling good. Spirit's high. Expectations. You know what I mean? Like, you, let's, let's compare the Indiana series that year to just like you coming in two minutes while fucking Scarlett Johansson. Like, all right, you fuck Scarlett Johansson, but you didn't last so long. It's terrible. You know what I mean? Well, whatever. you still riding high. You go into the doctor's office, you get fucking poison stuck in your balls for some reason. Boom. That's the Knicks trading for Andrea Bargnani with a first-round pick after a 54-win season. Like, I don't know how else to put it. That shit was a god-awful trade, objectively one of the worst trades in NBA history. And we did that bitch, like, literally right after our most hyped and successful season. And it just torched us, bro. It took our whole franchise off the rails because it's like, why? You know what I mean? Like, we'll we had Steve Novak, right? Why didn't we just keep him? What, like Steve Novak in a first round pick Why? is better than Bargnani and no first round pick. Like, come on, Doug. Like, you, you want to speak to a little bit about this? Cause yeah, I'm just, I mean, look. If you have, ugh.
1: if you've just started following the NBA, or if you started following it like even five years ago, you probably have no idea who Andrea Bargnani is. But Andrea Bargnani was drafted in 2006. I want to say. And he was a number one draft pick, so he came with high expectation. He's got he's a guy from Italy, um, seven footer who can shoot. So a lot of people when they saw him, they thought of the legendary Dirk Nowitzki, um, who plays for the Mavericks right now. So people thought that they were drafting a guy like him, and lo and behold, Barghiani was nothing. Basically, he he wasn't that bad his uh, his first few seasons in the NBA, but. He peaked really early, and what ended up happening was that he just kept getting injured. And when he would play, he wouldn't really play as hard as he could have. He he did come in with some potential. He did have some moves. He did have a sweet stroke in in his early seasons. But when he came to the Knicks, he he had nothing. His he was shooting horribly. He wasn't playing hard, and he he's responsible for a one of the worst shots ever because the Knicks were up one game. And when you have only you know 15 seconds in the game left to go and you're up and you get the ball, the rule is you hold the ball until somebody f- fouls you so you just kill time off so the other team doesn't get a chance to score. What he ended up doing was he shot the ball. So when the Knicks traded for Bargiani, it was I it was two se- the, the two seasons before they traded for him, I think he played a total of like 40 or 50 games out of 164 games. So he already came in. Injury prone. Everybody knows he's very injury prone. Everybody knows that he's not that skilled. And the, the Knicks, for some reason, just decided to make that play because they were losing out a few veterans that were part of that fifty-four game one season. They felt that they had to make a splash. They did the, they did the total opposite. So they ended up picking up Barghiani. And from that moment, you kind of it, it really was that dark that that dark cloud coming. You're just like, huh, interesting. Uh, and it's like you just you just. You just had a feeling that something was gonna go wrong, and that ended up being the worst season that I've ever, you know, witnessed myself personally, um, in terms of like uh, Knicks fanhood and feelings and all that. And the the pick that they gave up, what ended up could have been a seventh pick. Now I think there was a trade with Denver for the Mellow trade that the 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 Nuggets had the right to swap. So, uh, with with the Ra- uh, with that with a pick. So the pick that they gave up to the Raptors. Denver ended up swapping with it, and they drafted Jamal Murray with that. And the Raptors drafted, um, I forgot how to pronounce his name, Portal, Jacob. Podol? Yaka
0: Portal, bro. Put y- some y- respect on the Legends game.
1: Yaka Portal. Basically, they drafted Yaka Portal, and they used that guy to trade with the Spurs to get Kawhi Leonard. So, the the Raptors fucking turned Andrea Bargnani to Kawhi Le- Kawhi Leonard. And now it looks like they're about to make the Eastern Conference Finals, for sure.
0: Oh, man. And just... Like, bro, we made this trade for Bargnani. At the time, one of the worst defensive big men in the league. While we still had Amari fucking Stoudemire still on the roster.
1: And we paid him $23 million for two seasons.
0: Yo, like... It- why would you think that's a good idea? Cause you got to play those dudes minutes together at some point. Right. That's like trying to put out a fire with more fire. Like why, how do you get stops when you got those two on the court at the same time? You know what I mean? Tell me that. And Melo is like, obviously not, you don't got that sterling defensive reputation either. Right. It's like, what, how the fuck was that ever going to work? Who thought that was a good idea? Like you must, we must have motherfucking had Michael Scott doing a guest appearance in the front office that whole <laughs> summer. That shit don't make no fucking sense. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck, bro? And, like, on top top of everything, I mean, there's so many layers to this bullshit, but, like, that same summer, we were on the verge of making a trade for Kyle Lowry, Mm. but Dolan was just like, nah, let's not trade a first-round pick for Lowry. We got too much shit for trading one for Bargnani, as if those two are, like, same comparable players. And you know what the fuck happened? Lowry flourished and became an all-star point guard while Bargnani's playing in, like, Lithuania or some shit right now. Like, man... What a terrible fucking franchise we root for. <laughs> why do we do it? Uh, I mean, it's always darkest before the dawn, but I've been saying that for like the last ten years. So like, who, what 20, the fuck 20 do I know?
1: Years right now, at this point. But look, man, if the, <laughs> one, the day that the Knicks are finally good, we can at least say that we were there through it all. We deserve, we deserve some wins, man. That's what. That's that's why we're Knicks fans. We just hold on to that hope and just hoping that one day. We can finally see a banner go up with the title.
0: So God got a crazy sense of humor. I'm just thinking back on it. Like you talk about the last twenty years of misery. Just like that one year we actually do get some prosperity, you know what I mean? He comes in and just slaps us in the face with his big old dick. Then that dick named is Bargnani. You know what I mean? Like that's it's horrible. It's funny though. <laughs> if I was in the Knicks fan, I would be laughing. Like if this shit all happened to the Nets, I'd fuck yo, that'd be hilarious. Like you could even write up that shit. But, I mean, speaking of the Nets, at least we didn't do the, that Boston Celtics trade. You know, could be worse.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, some of the things I noticed that we left out of our honorable mentions, other big contracts that the Knicks signed. So one of those, Larry Brown, five years, about $50 million. Alan Houston, six years, $100 million. That was back in 2001, so that was a huge contract. Um, we'll, we'll get to Eddie Curry at some point. Jerome James, five years, $30 million. He, I don't think he played any of those. And then Stephon Marbury, five years, ninety million. But those are things that even make our honorable mention list. It's just like how, how we came up with nearly forty things on our list of for just twenty years. I, I, I it's mm. can most Word. teams can can <laughs> they, I don't. I I think majority of teams can't even come with half the list that we made. Probably like ninety-five percent. Man, Sacramento
0: give us a run for our money.
1: I, I don't even think so, man. Because they had no good season. They never had hope. But we at least had hope in 2013. That just, that shit just got taken away from us. Brazilians was hope. That shit got taken away from us. So I don't. I don't even. Hey, Amen.
0: So. Hey, Amen. Hey, 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 you Chris Webber rolling over in his grave right now, dog. You disrespecting the 0-2 kings, the 0-1 kings.
1: They at least had those yeah, nice seasons. They had, they had those seasons at least. Oh, or fine. I see your point. They at least had those two good seasons where they had like a really exciting team in the NBA and they almost made it to the Western Conference Finals.
0: I will take that over whatever the fuck we had. Exactly. Like, we had two straight good years. Yeah. We, could, we God God couldn't even give us that.
1: The Nets <laughs> made yo. The Nets made two finals.
0: Oh man.
1: The Hawks, the Hawks were were a solid team for a long time. They had a 61 season not too long ago. I honestly I think that the 29 other NBA teams out there have had at least one season better than all of our seasons.
0: Probably, probably. Correct
1: me if I'm wrong. I I, I can't even the Suns, the worst team in the NBA probably right now after the Knicks. They they had the Steve Nash and Amari Amariers. they were and a very good team. I I don't think there's any team out there that had. That could that you can't where you can't name one season that wasn't better than all of our seasons the last 20 years.
0: It'll uh, all be worth it, it'll all be worth it one day. hmm. One day, I'm looking out my window all romantically (laughs) and deep and shit right now. Yeah, man. Yo, we're we're only
1: halfway (laughs) through this. We're only halfway through this. We got we got part two to go where we're going to talk about the the fifth all the way to the worst moment in Knicks franchise history in the last two decades. But you know what, next season we're going to be in the 2020 season that that's hopefully going to be a different story. That's all we can really say.
0: Should we tell our listeners about, uh, this is, this is unrelated to our list, but uh, Bill Simmons, kind of a famous guy runs the ringer, big name, kind of says some interesting comments the other day the other day being yesterday you want to fill them in or
1: Well I did put on our Instagram. I put on Instagram and Twitter. So if they're following us, they should have seen it. But basically Bill Simmons, who is one of the most reputable sports analysts out there right now, um, who is an avid Boston Celtics fan and a very he's he's had his opposing moments in the Knicks. He basically said that he would bet the house money or he would bet the house, basically, that Kevin Durant signs with the Knicks, which is a huge endorsement. To this possibility. Yeah,
0: it's the same Bill Simmons that had Kevin Durant on as a guest on his podcast six total times. So Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe he knows something. I don't know. There's a chance they could be like pals on the side, right? But who, who knows? I mean, just I've done more than six podcasts with you, and I don't even like you. You know what I mean? So maybe it's just like that way with KD and Bill Simmons. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, pal. Buddy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right so you know we hope you 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 guys as listeners enjoy this episode as as much as we disliked making it i, I mean i oh, honestly I had a good time it was it was still nice to no nah, it wasn't that great but we went down memory lane a little bit and discuss all the all the horrible moments that we face as knicks fans but you know sunshine before the the it needs to rain before there's sunshine right something like that it's, it's pretty late right now um but either way, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And this was the 17th episode of the Nickish podcast. Episode 18 will feature the second part of this um, top worst moments in Nick's history. Uh, and we're, we will be discussing the fifth to the worst. So tune in next week to hear what the worst moments in Nick's history are.
0: Yeah, I might actually cry live on podcast airwaves uh stay tuned
1: i think we progressively got more and more depressed as we as we went through this um god man. it feels like i got punched in the gut <laughs> like I, I think we were we sounded a lot more excited in the beginning and then as you go through we just sound more and more sad Oh man all right so tune in next week uh we'll see you then peace
0: peace